Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are on this beautiful planet. It's great to be chatting with you again. This is a replay, so to speak, of a previous conversation that I was having at 11 or 12 or whatever. And it turns out that Facebook doesn't really work well with my headphones and half of the entire conversation was cut off which is a shame because whenever I do these transmissions, these trigger-proof transmissions, I have an idea, I jot some notes on what I wanna say. I might have a story that is relevant for what I'm sharing so that you can, you know, it can land for you and you can have a, a deep understanding of it. Hey Don, what's up? You're gonna to wanna to pay attention to this because wow, this is basically your world if I've been following your, your posts. <clears throat> and this, entire conversation that I had earlier just got chopped off because people were like I can't hear you I can't hear you I'm not understanding does this can you hear me right now I just want to know can you hear me right now is this working does this work can you hear me I just want to know great sound okay perfect <laughs> Victoria thanks for being there I guess you're still up in Belgium you wanted to catch this live or you have insomnia Either way, it's great to have you. And so what I discovered is is so strange because I have to look at this myself and go, why is a chiropractor talking about relationships? <clears throat> why? Why does a chiropractor, what business do I have in even talking about it? You're not a relationship expert. You're not a parenting expert. None of those. <clears throat> I'm a student in healing and healing is my jam. And in the 18 years that I've been a chiropractor helping people who are walking in with various aches and pains, I discovered over periods of time that, that the thing that's, that's causing them to come to my office with these physical manifestations of a stress-related problem. And so the kind of person I am, I'm a talker and I love to get to know people. My Starbucks person, I'm always talking to people and connecting with them. This become my superpower. And so when I connect with my patients, what guess, take a wild guess, write it down. <clears throat> take a wild guess, write it down. What do you think is the greatest stressor affecting most people's lives that creates stress-related problems? If you look back on your life and you see the greatest inner turmoil that's caused, it's usually at the hands of what? And so because of the delay, I can't see what you said, but let me give you the hint, it's relationships. Okay, so relationships, how we relate to one another. Mother, father, mother, daughter, you know, that kind of stuff, relationship, romantic. And these fractures in these relationships, over periods of time, you, excuse me, you accumulate them. Your first one is the, the break of the mother bond. This is very real, it's a trauma that's in your body. When you wake up, when you're born, okay, this is what James Hollis says, is that life is a series of attachments and losses. Not feeling seen within a relationship, absolutely. Life is a series of attachments and losses beginning from the primary primitive wound of when we were born from our mother, a wound which we never fully recover from. Let me say that again. Life is a series of attachments and losses 
I've got to write this. I wrote it down. It was so, when I read it, I just started, I burst in tears because I was just like, oh my God, how beautiful. Let me, let me tell you the exact quote because I wrote it, wrote it down and I don't want you to miss it. It's from James Hollis, one of my favorite uh, authors. And he's basically, James Hollis here. He said, life is a series of attachments and Hollis. Yeah, okay, I don't have it. Anyway, life is a series of attachments and losses, beginning with the primary primitive wound in the, from the womb, a wound in which we never fully recover from. Boom. That was your primitive first attachment wound when you're born. It's trauma. It's a birth trauma. That's the first possibly trauma that you've gone through in other than if your mother, when you were in utero, your mother had some fucking shit going on, like COVID-19, like World War II, you know? What was it? What was the shit that was going on in your mother's world when you were in utero? That plays a very, very significant role. Aaron, brother Aaron, messaged me after his breath work and was like, holy crap, I went back to my womb. Like I went back there. He's this guy's like a mindset mentor, science guy, really sharp guy, you know, gym rat. And he's like a, you know, he's a fitness trainer and all of that. And he's like, I went back to the womb, to the womb. Is that, is that like real? I'm like, bro, that is when your first traumas and so since that moment of conception and when you were born, another one, and then the relationship with your primary caregiver, if you had a mother that was attuned, if you had a mother that was able to say, hey, well, Victoria, you're here. Victoria, my goodness, that must feel so horrible. That must be so scary for you. Let me hold you. Everything's going to be okay. I see you. Oh, you're screaming. I can see how angry you are. It makes total sense how angry you are. I can feel your anger and this is what happened and this is why you're angry and I totally see that. See, that's called attunement. When a parent is able to then zone in and get over their own emotional reactions to your emotional reaction and not be able to be at the effect of it, but should be able to be a parent that is able to hold their own emotions and not enmesh with their child and make them responsible or feel guilty and try to stop the emotion. No, 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 don't. Boom, if that happens, okay, and you're stopped immediately, you now have these feelings come up that were totally unconscious and by the reaction of your mother, by the way that she tends to you, whether she leaves you be, you're crying, leaves you be. In other words, your emotions do not have any impact on her stepping up to soothe you. You then from age start to learn that, you know what, my emotions, I'm just not going to share them. They're, I have this deep need to be seen, but because it what I say won't make a difference and I'm going to be ignored anyway. I'm just going to handle my own shit. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to avoid whenever triggers come up in a relationship 
eh, it's not no point in really talking about it or sharing because I'm never going to be seen anyway, This, which is the pattern since you're younger. So I'm just going to avoid. This is what's called an avoidant pattern. Okay, This is an insecure type of attachment wound, which is called avoidant. So there's two major uh, attachment wounds that are from insecure attachment. The first one I just want to share is the avoidant. <clears throat> In relationships, when you're avoidant, you show up as the distancer. Whenever uh, intimacy starts to happen and things are coming alive and attachment starts to happen, you're like, oh, fuck, get me away from that because I'm going to feel abandoned. My, 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 voice, is, my, my voice won't matter. And so I don't want to be dependent on that person and feel so disappointed like I did when I was a kid with my mother. Does this make sense? Let me know if what I'm sharing kind of makes sense. Uh, uh, like you say, ah, I, that's me, that's me. You'll show up as the distancer. You'll show up as the avoidant, okay? Deep down, you fantasize about a deep loving relationship, but the second that it's there, you're like, whoa, fuck. Because there's paralyzing fear of if I show my real side and I get rejected, I can't live with myself. It's an attachment wound and it makes perfect sense, and you're not cognitively aware of it. So all of the personal development or therapeutic work that you do that doesn't address the anxiety or alarm that shows up in your body isn't going to actually cut it. It's not gonna make a difference. It will, you'll be able to make sense of it here, but still, you'll show up in a relationship, you'll get triggered, and you'll be like, fuck this, I'm out of here, and that's me. I would consistently threaten that when I would get triggered, I'd be like, I'm out of here. Like, I can't be like this. I can't feel this not seen. I'm leaving. That was my pattern in relationships. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing to feel guilty for, nothing to be ashamed of. This is like, when you look at it, it's kind of shameful. But when you look at the grand scheme of things through intergenerational trauma, there's no shame in it. It makes perfect sense. You can have the other side of an attachment um, attachment wound in the insecure branch called anxious attachment style. And what that is, is the exact opposite. You had a primary caregiver that when you had big emotions, weren't always there for you. They were un there was no predictability. You didn't know your mother was gonna be showing up as who? <laughs> like there's some sort of trauma, there's some sort of a thing going on with mother and father that there's some sort of a drama triangle that causes mother to not show up as the rock who's consistent in your life, okay, with your parents. Like there is no predictability. Is there one moment and gone the next? And you don't know, okay? So what happens is your body experiences this constant disappointment and the rug gets pulled out from under you again and again and so now you then live in the world in your own form that the world is not safe and I'm going to die. The world is not safe and I'm going to die. And that's terrifying. Deep down you have this need to have someone look after you and parent you so that you can compensate for that feeling of abandonment that keeps showing up and betrayal that keeps showing up, <clears throat> both are forms of abandonment. They're, they're, they're both are a form of ab abandonment, but you show up a little What happens is you then get into these relationships where you become the codependent.
you become needy. You then ask yourself, oh my gosh, like, why isn't he texting me back? My God, it's been like eight minutes and he hasn't texted me. What is he thinking? Oh my God, I wonder, is he this? Like, what, does he think I'm weird? Does he, uh, and you're just like this, you feel like this disgusting and insecure mess. Now, here's the interesting thing. You are not either one or the other. Here's the fucked up part of it. You have both of it within you when you're insecure. Both of these things are a part of you when you're insecure. The interesting thing is you will then start to relate with somebody with the exact opposite trauma that fits like a fucking lock-in key with yours. And you have this perfect dance of distancer-pursuer. This extreme high of, oh my gosh, the world is amazing. Uh, and then you have this moment of bliss and then all of a sudden your trauma wound. This one's like, oh fuck, like I'm getting close and I can get vulnerable. Is she gonna get weird? Is she gonna then start to turn into my mother? And uh, I gotta manage her emotions and oh fuck, I can't even manage my, ah, get me out of here. And this one's like, oh, I wonder, is he gonna, is he gonna call me in the morning? Does he respect me? Uh, oh my God, oh my God. And I don't mean to say this is like, this is the woman and this is the man. I'm not saying that because it works both ways. The me I've seen just as many guys show up as the needy codependent and the woman be like the distancer. Let me know in the comment section if you can see yourself in these uh, dynamics. If you're in a dynamic like that, if you can see yourself in a dynamic, if what I'm saying is triggering you, write that out. Just tell me, this is triggering the fucking shit out of me because uh, this is how I've been showing up. Now, the good news is if you want to change this, and you want the holy grail. You think you want this perfect person who looks a certain way or all of that, but that's not going to be a predictor of your satisfaction long-term in the relationship. That was what I was chasing before, whether it was looking good or was a transactional because it was based on a survival need, both of us, which creates the volatility because you're not resourced within yourself. You create this toxic codependent cycle, which makes perfect sense based on the nervous system, trauma, you know, intergenerational that has you bonded with that trauma. Does this make sense to you? So, very much so. This was me and my ex-hubby. I was the distance. Okay, there you go. So what happens is, this is the classic unconscious relationship. In an unconscious relationship, you have the narcissist who thinks is usually the distancer is like, fuck off, whatever. Right, Shannon? I'm not saying you are this, but you played that role in that relationship. I was too. The distancer who's like my priorities first, the pursuer, which is please, please, me, 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 pay attention to me. What about me? I'm going to do everything for you. I'll, I'll, bend over backwards and give you exactly what you want and have all the sex and the perfect this and then that just so that you can be my uh, power source, <laughs> right? This is the narcissistic codependent dynamic cycle. The narcissist being my values are greater than yours. The codependent being your values are greater than mine. And this creates a toxic cycle of volatility classic of an unconscious relationship. 
Now here's the here's the interesting part of this that blew my mind and I started seeing these in my workshops especially when I was doing a session on Kylie uh, Kylie uh, and she basically uh, she was sitting there and I just saw how the, her codependency was then fueling causing her narcissism to from other people so in other words let me say that again in a different way the narcissist is a covert codependent the narcissist who's all about being seen and being known and having uh, having uh, validation externally everyone's got to like I got to love you got to think I'm pretty you got to think I'm the best I'm the top I'm important and getting this external validation out there whether it be a person uh, money Whatever, it's got to come from outside that's narcissism in other words I'm gonna blind myself to everything else except that thing which is usually external validation because I don't have that love for for myself that energy merges perfectly well with the codependent who is the who is also a closet uh, narcissist so the narcissist is a closet codependent because they're dependent on this outside thing they're so dependent that they lose everything else. The codependent is a who's all about this other person who's like polarizing, pointing to getting this other external person's approval, codependent on him. Then all of a sudden that codependent becomes the narcissist down the road to their son or to other people and friends. So in other words, this is the fucked up part. If you want to heal from that insecure style of dynamic that cycle that happens you must first put your hand up and own your role in that cycle now this triggers the shit out of women who are stuck in their trauma victim stories they lose their shit because they think I am justifying abusive behavior they think that I'm blaming the victim, where they think that I, it, it's, it's pretty insane how triggered this idea of taking responsibility for your role in the drama triangle is. Because victims want to take no responsibility. They, they already, here's why, they already are dealing with unresolved guilt. There's a part of them that can own that they're part of the responsibility and they feel guilt about that. They haven't learned how to be okay with that. And so when somebody outside goes, yeah, there's two sides to it. Not all your fault, but there's response ability, ability to respond rather than making someone else responsible, when they do that, all of a sudden, every single victim, client I've ever worked with of domestic violence, of abuse, trauma, whatever, victim to the narcissist, what sets them free, which they completely resist in the beginning is, oh fuck, it's not my fault. And I had a part to play in that. That's the, the one step that you must take that's so difficult in order to heal and it's tough hearing an asshole like me say it because I literally become the perpetrator then I have been projected and transferred perpetrator by so many of the female clients that I'm working with probably because because you can tell like I get pretty I get pretty passionate about this 
because I see like, oh my God, I see your freedom. I see your empowerment. You want to be this empowered mama, this boss babe who's empowered. And me, I played that narcissist role in a toxic codependent cycle. I'm your ex. That's why I trigger you. I am like your ex, but I'm saying it in a way of don't think you didn't have any power in this. This is such good news. You have so much power you're not even aware of. I want to introduce you to that power. And that power starts by putting up your hand and saying, oh, fuck, I had so much power in this weakened, powerless state that I was in with this person. I actually had the power to cause such a reaction in him that he completely dis dis dissociated from himself, not to justify his poor behavior, but to also own that I was just as unconscious when I got triggered. We were in a dance of unconsciousness together, not he's this monster who had power over me. No, 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 no. You want to transcend the subordination. That's what empowerment is. Empowerment is transcend the subordination that this was a horrible monster who victimized you. I don't, I'm not doubting. Like I've turned into a complete monster when I got triggered and I was completely unconscious. It wasn't something I was trying to do, but it was the greatest wake up call to make me realize that that space and response didn't exist. And it was partner's job to expand that space. And then when we both started looking at it, we were like, holy shit, we are both a product of intergenerational trauma. Okay, yes, you would switch roles. We were both the product of intergenerational trauma. As soon as I could, to, to catch my role in it, I go, ah, that's it, there it is, boom. Okay, how do I heal from this? And when I was there two years ago in this mess looking around going, I don't know what a secure attached relationship feels like. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to take full responsibility and get the holy grail, the pot of gold at the other side. And what's that pot of gold? This is your pot of gold right now, whether you're in it or not. Let me know what it is for you. <clears throat> that pot of gold is a secure attached relationship, a relationship where you feel freedom to take off the mask. You are clear with your boundaries. You feel safe enough that when you have a rupture, you trust that both parties are working towards re restoring. The feeling of when you're together, it feels like coming home. And when you're apart, you don't feel anxiety about your separation because you just feel like it's like a home base. And you got like, you. not only do you trust that other person, implicitly but the best part of all which i could never do is i actually trust myself <laughs> i actually trust myself i can fully trust myself to be in that i've never experienced that in all of my 44 years and i'm convinced it's because i hadn't done this of work of nervous system regulation of the somatic work of consistent breath work, of staying in the conversation of consciousness, of taking full responsibility for every trigger, of taking each trigger and sitting down and doing the prompts and looking at it and figuring out exactly what, what meaning I was making, where it was actually coming from. And instead of making myself the victim of that other person, really getting that it wasn't that thing that was happening. 
And when I took that work and that practice on again and again and again, it only took probably about, <clears throat> from that time, it probably 12 months where Diana walked into my life and it was like, oh, this is what a secure attached relationship feels like. Where two people are committed to not only taking care of themselves and full responsibility for themselves, but also taking responsibility for each other and knowing each other so well. Do you have, oh, I want to show you something. Show the picture. I got convicted before. I'm going to show the picture. But I want you to see something, and it's super duper cute. Check this out. Now imagine this as a imagine this as a relationship for yourself. Okay. Well, you're you're in, involved in a relationship with somebody who is fully consciously aware of their own childhood wounding. There's a picture of myself when I was younger. Okay, I have it on my phone. In fact, if you're watching, I want you to just put a, a, a child picture of yourself. If you're going to be joining this conversation of becoming trigger-proof, really it's all about reconnecting with that younger part of you, the many younger parts of you that you've fragmented from, that you've kind of forgotten, that you don't really want to join. You becoming trigger-proof is all about shifting your relationship with that person, therefore shifting your relationship with yourself. <clears throat> you got to learn to love yourself. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm just like... Here's me trying to love myself. Okay, it wouldn't work. I had to figure that out. How? And I realized it was there's fragmented parts of me that I'm literally walking with every day unconsciously to become consciously aware of them, to reconnect and establish a, 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 a mentorship type of relationship with, with them, like a parent. And how cool, because I have some amazing coaching skills. I get to use that on my eight-year-old self like truly connecting. I got to use that on my two-year-old self. I get to use it on my newborn self. I got to use my eight-year-old self today when I was working and I was kind of like trying to examine a trigger that came up that was totally throwing off a of flow, right? Because when you get it right, you get into flow. So imagine this, you create a relationship called a secure attachment, which is a commitment to using this, the, the relationship as a spirit practice. This was the conversation I was having before COVID-19. We were teaching this. All of a sudden, COVID-19 happens and everyone's like, holy fuck, my relationships. I'm like, exactly. Now is the time for this conversation. Now is the time for you to invest all in with your time and energy to be able to heal that because you coming out on the other side of this COVID thing depends on your level of healing, depends on your rootedness within yourself so that you can like a tree weather that storm because your roots are so deep not being not walking around going i don't know who i am i don't know like i'm so dependent on what other people think of me i can't speak my mind because what if people reject me that shit's been holding you back and now it's like more than ever and here's the other part my relationships are not that great it's exposing that i don't have a healthy secure attachment i'm hearing this constantly right now, check this out. This is Diana when she was two years old. Right in. Oh my God, that's so cute. Right in how cute she is. This is me. Not at two, but a little bit older. But imagine we're getting married next week, and we're also in the pictures, in our vows, in our energy, we're actually committing to co-regulating each other's little one. <laughs> 
And I believe that this is the, the wave of the future of conscious relationships. Because this is unconscious relationship, is the insecure attachment. You're needy or dismissive. And we all have experienced that. It's part of the human condition. But the second level, the deeper level, is the conscious relationship, which I know my values, I know her values, I know my wounds, and I know her wounds. I'm taking full responsibility for my own, and she is also committed to taking full responsibility for her own, and when we get into some sort of a fracture, to have the commitment to both take the time, take care of ourselves first, and then come back and have the other one's younger self in mind. I want you to think of for a moment and write in the comment section, what would your life look like now if your parents decided to have that kind of a com uh, relationship? Just take a moment and think about it. Write it in the comment section. I want your participation and your engagement. Otherwise, I don't know how this is landing. I don't see a live audience. I really, really would love to know how this is landing for you. My question to you is this. If you had parents that decided to take on their relationship like that, how would your life be different? It's unreal, isn't it? Levels of anxiety would drop. This is how intergenerational trauma happens. It's just basically relationship anxiety, which is anxiety in general. It's not a disorder that you have to treat. It's a fracture that you must repair, that you must learn to repair. We've seen so many of our clients come in with anxiety, anxiety, and it turns out I just share with them what I've learned in my 18 years in the healing, helping profession, is that we don't treat anxiety. We actually go and help you repair your primitive relationships and get them complete, even if that person's passed away. It's so critical. And when you do, like in marriages, a, a marriage of like 48 years, they've been married for 48 years, and they were on the brink of divorce in January after the Christmas holidays. It was horrible. So everyone's triggered during those times. So old mom stuff comes up for Mary, and how is she treating everyone around her when she's getting all this mom stuff coming up? She's becoming the mom that she couldn't stand before. So she's all equipped, and we basically, he's like, what about him? He's got to do his work too. I'm like, I'm not interested in him. He doesn't even exist. It's about you and your relationship with you. And we started getting to work, and lo and behold, I just spoke to her yesterday. She's like, I've never had a better relationship. We get into challenges, we get on each other's nerves with this COVID thing, but we, we always, you know, we always come back because she let go of the biggest, I taught her how to let go of the biggest rock in her backpack. The thing that happened in her past, which was a condition of how they got married, and she always doubted if it was genuine. And she was literally going through, holding on to a little 20-year-old wound, which is a part of her, and constantly looking for evidence of his love's not genuine. And if I spent 24 hours a day with you for seven days, I'll easily be able to find evidence for whatever story that my brain is looking for. Let me know if you can catch my drift and Okay, let me know if you can catch it. So <clears throat> what's, what, what is it that we want? We want secure attachments. 
a conscious relationship where two people can honor themselves first and then honor each other and have a commitment to a strategy of action so that they can take responsibility and self-soothe and then co-regulate. I'm going to give you one very powerful co-regulative um, exercise that I'm going to get you to do that's very powerful, okay? And this is a way to get two parties who are maybe stressed because of all this sympathetic dominant to get in and using breath and physical touch and smell and senses to a regulated state. Okay, check this out. Diana, do you want to come and do the demo again? I had this before, but um, this is Diane. We're getting married next. We're getting married next week, so I wanted to introduce you if you haven't met her before. This is Diana. So we're about to do our little co-regulating hug. Okay. So what do we? So when do I do this? Whenever I'm like I'm home all the time right now, but when I when, come, you come. when I come home, what do we do? You hug and we breathe together. Oh yeah. So check this out. So this is what you do. You're gonna do a hug. I'm gonna do it like this. You can do it with me. I want you to breathe with me as I'm doing it. But this is how it's done. And whenever I do that, look at her face. Look at my face. I'm just like, it instantly brings you to a ventral vagal state where now our nervous systems are attuned to one another. She's just like me. She's shy in front of the camera. Exactly like me. Um, our nervous systems are attuned to one another. We're literally on the same wavelength because we regulated breath and we got into sensation. And if you can, put some nice perfume, aftershave, whatever that you really like that puts on that great impression and then hug each other and smell, get into sensation. This is what intimacy is. That's exactly what it is. And together you co-relate. Okay, together you co-regulate. That's the power of it. Hey, Kira, what's up, sister? And so imagine when you have that ability, two people, to be so committed into the work that you're using each other as a spiritual practice. Now, a lot of times we look for certain traits. They have to be this, they have to be this, and these external things. But what I've noticed is that that's not what's a predictor of satisfaction. It is secure attachment. So I want to give you how you can tell that you're having secure attachments, okay? Um, <clears throat> and what red flags to look for if you're dating somebody and you just started dating and you want to see some red what to look for so that you can tell if this person is a secure individual or they're avoidant or they're overly, you know, needy and, you know, insecure, and you want to make that choice, okay, early on. And so the first uh, tip that I'm going to give you is make sure, number one, please write this down, 
you can write out in the comment section. Number one, make sure that you express your needs early on. In other words, if you hold back your needs in fear of what the other person is going to say, eventually the truth is going to come out. That comes from a very codependent place. You might as well say it out loud and then see how they respond. A secure attached person will be like, oh, okay. Because I remember when I first started dating Diana, I was busy working and all of that. And she would text me and then we would get on a call and she said, you know, it would be great if you could uh, text me more often and let me know that you're thinking about me rather than just waiting for me to do it. It would really mean a lot that I did that. In other words, she was giving me what her needs are. She's giving me like the blueprint, right? The way that that I respond to that says everything about my attachment style. Do I go, oh, fuck that. If I do that, that's a big red flag for her that I'm of an avoidant. Okay. Or do I go, oh, really? Okay. Tell me more of what else you need because a secure person wants to connect, is looking for ways to connect. A secure attached person has an increased capacity to connect where if they're insecure, they want to disconnect. Let me know if, if that resonates with you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Please let me know if this is resonating. If you're having an aha, I'd love to hear from you or if you have a specific question about it. So the first thing is express your needs early and pay attention to how they respond. How they respond will tell you if there's a secure attachment or not. Number two, when you start to get close to this person, do they distance from you? Because a secure attached person, when you start to approach, when I approach Diana, because she's a very secure individual, when I approach and I go for a hug, she meets me halfway. She comes right to me, okay? And when, I, when she approaches me, I want to get closer to her. If somebody has avoidant tendencies, which I talked about at the beginning of this call, at the beginning of this uh, uh, transmission, um, then when you try to get close, they all of a sudden check out They're like, uh, and that comes from the avoidant, which I talked about where the, uh, where it comes from here. So the next thing, number three, do they treat you well? Okay. Do they treat you like royalty? And what you also want to ask is, do you treat them well? It's got to work both ways. The best, most predictable way of making sure that you attract a secure attached relationship is to become secure yourself. Doesn't it make sense? Because you're looking for this hero or knight in, white, knight in shining armor or this princess or whatever you're looking for that's just someone who's easy, just doesn't challenge me. You're going to get bored real quick and there's no growth in that. And it's a constant work to be able to prioritize the relationship and making each other feel like royalty. Are you, is there a reciprocity going on? If you don't feel that fair exchange and you have communicated those needs and they're still not coming back to you, that's a, that's a really big red flag for you that you're dealing with somebody who's avoidant. Okay. Or, so anxiously attached, so wounded, they don't give you space, that's not a secure attached relationship. It's going to turn into a toxic, volatile uh, codependency. Uh, I promise you, I've been there, done that. So number four, 
another way to tell if you're dealing with somebody who could be securely attached is their consistency with responsiveness. If they're consistent with their responses towards you, you know that they're a secure individual. They'll be able to tell you, hey, um, here's what's going on. I know I said I'd be there in five minutes. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. Is that okay? That shows empathy. One of the hallmarks of secure attached people is an ability to empathize with other people. When we are stuck in trauma, we don't have the ability to empathize with other people. We just expect everyone to empathize with us, right? The classic victim who calls themselves an empath consistently doesn't know how to have that same empathy for the other people that they were relating to. It's just, I'm, I, feel, I feel I'm hypersensitive, I'm an empath, but I'm not gonna empathize with my father. I'm an empath, but I'm not gonna empathize with my mother. I expect them to see me. The secret to your transformation, the secret to you breaking the transcend, to transcending your victimhood is to fully engage in, number one, learning how to empathize with the self, and then empathize with the people that you have been subordinating to as your monsters. Okay, that's really key. And you must do that in order to have a secure attached relationship. In other words, this is it. You have to. I never, I never use the word have to until until now. You have to if you want to bring in your king, or you want to bring in your queen. The only way that you can do that is to become. If you want your queen to come in, or you want your king, you must become a queen, and that queen is a sovereign individual. Sovereign in, in terms of your ability to regulate your own emotions. To become trigger proof is the, it's like, how do I, people ask me, how do I find the right person? How do I do that? Well, you must become trigger proof. You must not trigger less. You must be learn how to take responsibility for when you get activated so frequently. And you get activated pretty frequently nowadays, especially with everything going on. But even before this COVID thing, chances are you are easily triggered by people. And your inability to regulate yourself basically nullifies you from becoming a queen or a king. Because in order to run a kingdom, you're going to have to deal with subjects and people around you who are constantly looking up at you, needy of regulating. The people in your community looking up to you. Your children are looking up to you as the king and queen. The problem is, is that if the king and queen don't know how to emotionally regulate, they're literally, they're princes and princesses. There are very few that are out there. And I knew that if I wanted to find my queen, that I must become a king, but the, that's not easy. That must mean taking responsibility. Most people don't want to do that. Little men just want to stay little boys. And women, a lot of times, want to play victim to their past. This is a lot of growth that needs to happen. In order to, for the man has to grow up and the woman has to grow up. Or the king, queen, masculine, feminine, if we have the same sex. We're all the same, dude. We're all the same. 
We are responsible, response-able. Becoming trigger-proof means becoming response-able for the trigger that comes up, not making the other person responsible. Sure, I get triggered daily, and my victim, my victim part of me that plays the victim in that drama triangle wants to make that other person responsible for it. Always, it's the first thing. And then, I, then I'm like, what do you want? Do you want to be a king, Nima, or you just want to be like a, like, like a, like a prince all your life, just hoping that there's going to be a queen that is going to wipe your ass and look after you? Or are you going to step up and take responsibility and lead properly? wasn't easy and it's not for everyone. Most of us want to shrink back to our old roles. So that's okay. Just don't expect a secure attached relationship. So the quickest way to get one is to become securely attached. Now you resonate your nervous system at a different level. The match that you bring is now at the match that at the level of nervous system regulation that you're at. And now if you do it right, you both are engaged in a conversation of self-growth, self-healing, using the relationship as a spiritual practice and as a safe space to heal and evolve and grow together. There's nothing more worthwhile on this planet than having that. That's the most important thing that we can have. And now we're starting to realize it. When this COVID thing shows up, we, we go deep into our fears and the thing that's keeping us most um, hinged rather than unhinged is your groundedness in who you are and the quality of the relationships that you have around you and your willingness to have gone in your past and done your work to heal from your wounding because if you haven't and you've put it off you're now really suffering right now it hurts you're feeling it right now and I can totally sense and see those who've been doing their work and the ones who haven't it's evident by the way that you're showing up. Are you showing up as a contribution or are you showing up as a kind of like a victim in the system? This is this this is nothing to do, this is not anything really to do with COVID-19. This has been the conversation we've been having for the past 2 years. It's just become so relevant now. Now everybody's coming and and have oh Oh, Nima, teach me this nervous system regulation. I need it now more than ever. Yeah, we've been teaching this consistently over the last like two years. And many of you have been digesting the content, just watching, not really, you know, jumping in. And I know there's been different levels of, of, of participation that's that, 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 were, that we're able. That's why I'm starting to make it more readily available for you. Free content each day to remind you what the most important thing is and remind you uh, to stay committed to the vision rather than the circumstance, to remind you of all of that. Sure, we got that. But an offering to actually have you address it and not keep ignoring and self-abandoning. Now is the time because you're becoming very aware of all of the holes and fractures and fragments within your relationships, especially within the relationship with yourself. Your inability to sit still, your gaining weight or losing weight, your relationships falling apart or getting stronger, all are dependent on you understanding the work, understanding the tools and becoming 
response-able rather than reactive. So number one of secure attachments that I talked about was express your needs early. See what their reactions are like. If they're not reactive, re, not reacting well to your needs or ignoring them, you're with somebody who's avoidant and there's some healing work that's required. From you, you don't have to force them. This is your work, it's your work of taking responsibility of how you got there. Not about, oh, you're avoidant, fix it. No, that's a very, that's never gonna work. The person's gotta have, feel inspired, say, wow, I want secure attached relationship. Are you, you know, making it super duper for him? Are you like placating and, and, and why would he, why would he do anything? Why would he do, why would he do any work if you're basically making everything comfortable for him? Is a question that I had from many of my clients who reach out and saying, well, he's a narcissist. He's this, he just won't change. Like, well, why should he? You literally don't have any boundaries and you'll do whatever because you're afraid you have you're afraid of feeling the guilt of being able to say no so does that for him to work on that's not for him to work he's, a, he's got no interest in solving this why would he solve it he gets to be Peter Pan syndrome and have you be his mother you got to start wondering why you got yourself there in the first place take responsibility for that okay we do it and all of a sudden when you start healing those wounds you start developing security and stability within yourself and now you're able to voice your opinion and have the have the strength to leave a toxic situation that wasn't based on mutuality that maybe when you leave that'll inspire him to grow we've seen this happen we've seen it happen they threaten to leave say pause on the leaving let's do the work and as a byproduct of this person expanding the other person's like holy crap i i don't i don't want to lose this person this is amazing who they've become they're so genuine they're so real they are empowered i, I just i want to become better because of them this is what happened with Peta. Peta quit smoking weed she like totally healed her past relationships and all of a sudden her husband was like i'm not drinking anymore he didn't even do the work. She was able to shift his energy just by completely focusing on herself. He was like, damn, she's inspired. She became an inspiration. That's how you're going to change the relationship. You must be in the lead. You must take the lead and be the inspiration and be the change. Right? So express your needs. Number two, when you get close, do they distance? If they distance, that's a red flag. Number three, do they treat you well or do they do cut downs with snide remarks? That's an avoidance kind of strategy to, 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 to avoid intimacy, the, the fear of being known. Number four is consistent responsiveness. Are they consistent? Do they text you when they say they will? Do they meet with you before you know the appointment? Do they show up on time? Do they apologize if they were kind of like off? Do they or they were out of integrity do they take full ownership you know are they open to repairs the next one are they open to repair when there's been a fracture are they open to that or do they just want to you know play victim for a long time if they do and they're not open to re repair secure people are open to repair secure individuals understand and own their part of the dynamic pay attention 
when a fracture happens, how they respond will let you know if they're secure attached or not. The question I have for you is where are you at with this? Where, where do you stand with this? So critical for you to get this. So critical, where do you stand? The way to create a secure attached relationship is to become secure within yourself and that's an awareness and a practice. And as you keep doing it, all of a sudden, the quality of your relationships start to emerge. Even in my guy friend relationships, we have fractures, but then within a couple of days, we're able to take a pause, go inside, take full responsibility. Like my brother Russ just messaged me after a, <clears throat> after a, a maybe a, a, a challenge or a discussion that we had, he shared himself and then he can come back afterwards and say, Oh, Nima, I realized that a lot of my email yesterday came from my own past wounding and it wasn't really much to do with you personally. I'm looking at this text and I'm like, dude, I've never had this level of conscious relationships. I've got a circle of friends of men who I've got their backs and they have mine and we can be real with one another. I've got connections with family. I have a, a good friendship with my ex-wife that we're not avoiding each other and I still have our baby Lucy and I'll send the odd photo and say hey you know it's like it's not we're not co-parents it's my dog but I really you know honor the role that she had I wouldn't have had the dog if it wasn't for her I got it for her and then you know with the divorce we kind of negotiated and I basically wanted the dog she could have everything else I just wanted the dog and so I, I, uh, I took Lucy and we're still good friends supporting each other. She's totally like supportive of me getting married. And like, there's a level of freedom that's available when you become a secure attached person where you're not needy of other people. And when fractures or challenges happen, you're not in the world of, oh no, my life is over. I'm gonna lose them, which is our old abandonment wounds that we hold in our body that causes this cycle of drama triangle. And I've been having this conversation for the last two years. This is part of the work we do with our clients. In our overview experience, we take people back to those early primitive wounds and we teach them how to self-heal those things, not just in a workshop, but on a day-to-day -day practice so that you can create your own practice of reconnection so that you can then be guided by an inner voice rather than controlled and dominated by outside voices and, and, and be have zero understanding of what that inside voice is. It's there, it's hidden under all that trauma. And it's so important for you right now to have access to it. I feel so bad for those who don't have access to that, especially this time, which is why every single one of the trainings that I give you is to implant a seed of looking, of where to look. And you guys are actually noticing, you're sending me messages. Holy shit, I never saw that this was coming from there. Good, you're going from unconscious to conscious. This content is designed to awaken you out of your mass unconsciousness fear, which you're which your neocortex and your conscious mind goes offline, your unconscious becomes totally susceptible to the bombardment of all of this noise of people telling you what to think and what to do. And this content is designed to help emerge the inner wisdom that's already within you. It's within all of us. And by the end of any training that you do, 
your we my commitment is that you now have access to that inner voice and a practice that can help get you there and hopefully you're inspired to continuing on because when you do all of a sudden you now have a marriage with somebody who is just as committed to regulating themselves as you are and just as committed to this co-regulation dance as you are and they are check this out that's diana that's me and who i'm marrying is not just adult diana i'm also marrying two-year-old diana and when i can keep that conscious when we get into a, a, a kind of spirited debate when things come up i can then hold not only myself at the highest regard but also her and her little girl inside and so i can now help her she can now help me and we can actually heal and evolve and grow together and why is that important to you because in order for you to really succeed on this planet on that planet you got to go out and take risks you got to put yourself out there in the world it's so much more feasible for you when you have this strength and stability at home that gives you this launch pad to go out and share your message with the world your gift with the world which you have a gift you're just too damn afraid to go out and share it because of worrying about what other people think which has drowned you out from your inner voice i'm here to tell you you can have access to it it's only through healing and the holy grail of the work is to then wake up one day and you have a secure attached relationship i don't care if you're 50 years old it's not too late it's not too late even if you're 60 it's not too late you can now sit here and go it's too late for me we have somebody 68 years old who was in a really highly volatile marriage for over 48 years okay and she literally has turned it around in a few months and has more intimacy than she ever has in her entire marriage. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. And they, he's like, he just, he, he wrote a review. I wasn't even working with him. He wrote a review on my Facebook page. He's just like, what the hell? <laughs> and all we did was change the relationship with the younger self. And it's a universal solvent. It's a universal healing solvent that we all can access to. Building conscious relationships by being the change. Absolutely. Whitney, oh my gosh, I was thinking of you. Are you still there? Let me know if you're listening.
right? <laughs> Let me know if you're listening. Let me know if you're listening. You got Marnie. Yes, new date. You can ask. Time to talk rather than being a filler and slices. Sounds ghosted, abandoned me. Never heard from him again. Not prepared to put effort on. No reciprocity. It's wise for you to look and see why that's a pattern. Because what's happening is your childlike state and go, uh, not, not willing, I'm not going to do that. And to give yourself the opportunity to look and see that this is an opportunity to heal those old wounds. Because if you're seeing this pattern again and again, there's part of it, yes, it's true. And then the other part is the self-responsibility that most people don't want to take. This is why we do our overview experience. This is when people are like, okay, I want that secure attachment. Yes. And I'm willing to look at myself in order to do it. This is the most difficult part because our egos don't want to look at ourselves and take responsibility. This is the fear. I don't want to look at myself. Responsibility. I have news for you. No one's here to rescue you. And until you can fully own and understand the mechanism of the why, why all of it made sense, you are bound to repeat it again and again. It's a blind spot. And you're wise to have somebody outside of you look because we all have blind spots. That's why it's important to have people that we trust that are holding us accountable to the greatest versions of ourselves to go look again. Is because when we did the overview experience, you want to share your experience with it, but you were so stuck. But what if all of these things did happen to me? All of this stuff happened to me. It was hurtful. Okay, good. I get it. But the thing I love about you was I, I, I got everyone's permission. Do I have your permission to allow me to call you forward to upgrade your perception of it so you're not a victim? And I got everybody's permission. You know, those are when it's fun. Because when, when I have that, here's the cool part about it. I then get into a state of flow. Then whatever you tell me, whatever energy you say to me from your standpoint, from your story, I'm able to pinpoint just by going into my body and feel what part of you is, is full of shit and you don't even know it. And then because I have your permission, I'm like, ah, 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 ah. your mirror, look at it. What are you really good at in, in life? What's your superpower? Whatever that is, that's great. That is my superpower. When somebody gives me the carte blanche to then get into a flow state and get into an engagement with them through the seminar, through the work, or through a one-on-one -on -one session, Laura, you're going to experience this when we do our one-on-one -on -one coming up very soon, soon as your mission statement sent in. You're going to experience me listening to you and then just any incongruency that's not truth, I'll be able to feel. I can feel when there's a lack of truth. I'm like, ah, ah that's not true. And help guide you into your truth. Becoming tr proof means shortening the time span between your perception and the truth. Your, and what's in the way? Your fucking ego that just wants to make the other person responsible, right?
it's important to take full responsibility if you want to have secure attachment relationship. You're a queen, right? You're this independent woman. I see this a lot with, I'm an independent woman. Ha, ha, ha. Where's my king? Now, you might be independent financially, which I give you kudos for. But you might not be independent when it comes to emotional regulation. That is when you turn into a queen. Gentlemen, that is when you turn into a king. And so it wasn't until I took full responsibility that I was able to meet a queen. Okay? And, and that's when the work begins, by the way. Just because, you know, you have that, you meet. No, that's, but the, the whole point is this is our work of, 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 of our spiritual evolution. So those were the points that I wanted to give you some red flags. Are they, do they treat you well? Are they consistently responsive? Are they open to repair after a disruption? Okay. Now, if you have a disruption, are you open to repair or are you one of those that just like to hold, hold, you know, hold a grudge like this? I want to be my wounded little person for a long time, right? Are you open to repair or are you the type that holds a grudge? The type that, if you're the type that holds the grudge or you're with somebody who does that, they are not a secure attached individual. Just a red flag for you to look at. Do you want to take on this project? <laughs> right and the best way to discover this go on a trip together or hang out during COVID-19 <laughs> during COVID-19 and the way that you interact with one another and what comes up and the way they respond to the stress tells you everything the best way to get really truly get to know a person is by observing them, observing them under stress. It's the best way. Uh, their, your true self comes out. Your dark passenger comes out. You get to see their triggers. You get to see their entire past by the way that they uh, handle stress. You are demonstrating your relationship with your past by the way you're handling your stress in the present. This is probably one of the most valuable skills you can learn. Uh, if you're wanting to level yourself up in 2020 so that you can handle what's to come. The ability to take a trigger and turn it into self-love and the ability to take a conflict between somebody you care about and turn it into deeper intimacy. And I'm able to do that with my friendships. Doesn't mean we don't get triggered. Doesn't mean trigger less. It means being able to take it and turn it into deeper intimacy. That's the key. Are there any questions? Was this valuable for you? I don't know if Whitney, you're, you're, you came to my mind. There was a seminar that I have, <clears throat> and I'm not saying your children are disconnected, but you do. You got you and your husband Chris. You talk about um, family and um, connection and children and stuff like that. And children, I created a, a seminar next week. It's a three-hour deep intensive training called How to Connect to a Disconnected Child. I'm going to leave the link in the comment section right now. Uh, I don't know if I have it here, but it's called How to Connect to a Disconnected Child. And there it is right here. I'm going to leave it here for you. And there it is. Go ahead and get registered. <clears throat> what we're going to do is we're going to take whatever's been triggering you in your relationship with your children. And we're going to use that instead of, and we're going to, we're going to, 
upon the, 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 the concept that your children do not exist now. They're gone. Whatever your teenager is bringing up, whatever challenges, okay, cool. They're gone. Now what? Now what are we going to do? We're going to go inward bound to see really what's coming up for you. And by repairing that part of you, you're going to then be able to connect with your child on a deeper level that you've never experienced before. That's the outcome you're going to get in those three hours. I'm going to take you on a journey inward bound. This is different than anything you've ever done as far as parenting courses or whatever. And based on me listening and, and, and watching Dr. Shafali, this is really what she's talking about, conscious parenting. This is conscious parenting in action. In other words, you're welcome to bring your partner for this. This is encouraged. So if you register, make sure that they're there with you. Okay, so this is a two-person thing so that you can both be a team on this. And then what happens is we're going to go on an inward journey, an inward-bound journey to see what's coming up for you, what's that trigger bringing up, a wound in yourself. And then we're going to use your child as a spiritual practice to heal a part of you that you've disconnected from. That's the secret. I'm giving it away. This is what we're doing next week. One week from tonight, and we can only take 20 people. And... There's been several of you who've jumped in before I even advertised it. This is the time. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is the time to learn. I love teaching this. On the other side of this, Laura, you can attest to this. You just did that work one time. We're going to do exactly what you did that couple weeks ago. And Laura was, a, was able to take her anxious kid, connect and deeply empathize, genuinely, not pretend, but genuinely, so her child felt her soothed and it was like, wow, I'm becoming super mom with this. This work makes you super mom. Maybe I should call it super mom, super dad, how to connect to a disconnected child. That's what it'll be. I'm going to ask my, 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 my person, my uh, VA to change it. So it's super mom, super dad how to connect to a disconnected child, super mom, super dads. This is for super mom, super dads, or super mom, super dads in training, because we're all in training. I'm in training right now. What do you think I'm doing? I'm parenting my little child right now before they're born in utero. All of, all of the trainings that I'm doing, Diana attends. This is the crazy part of this. Diana attends and she's doing the work, the regulating nervous system work, somatic work. Why? Because it's directly impacting our baby during the COVID-19 pandemic. Talk about a big enough why. This is why I'm teaching it. Why do you think I'm so fired up? Why do you think I do two broadcasts a day? Why, like, how can I, how do I have the energy to do that and take care of a bunch of triggered ass people? Why? How? Because my why is big enough. So here's my question to you. I'd like for you to write down section, okay, who you're doing this for. Write the names of those people. Who are you doing this for? Please write it down. I'd like to see the names. And if you have any questions, I'm here to answer tomorrow morning. I'll be back with another mission. Uh, hopefully this was valuable for you. The Holy Grail is secure attachments. I gave you some red flags to look at. 
and hopefully you'll be able to apply them right away. Let me know what was most meaningful to you. And thank you for participating. I'm really grateful that these trainings are making a difference. Let me know what you want to hear. And we have a couple of events coming up next week. Uh, Super Mom, Super Dad, how to connect to a disconnected child and our overview experience. This five hour deep dive into the self, into healing whatever's blocking you right now and healing past trauma and giving you the tools to move forward and become trigger proof. So that's on the 26th of April and it'll be a week after my wedding. So I'm gonna be back soon with one of these, uh, but um, I'm really stoked about it and I love teaching this. If you can tell I'm a little enthused, if you can tell this is very meaningful for me, you can tell um, there's nothing more important to me than sharing this with you right now, and I'm grateful that you're on the journey with me. And I'd like you to think of about three or four people who are dealing with this insecure attachment type of scenario and invite them into this group and let them know why it's important. And I'd love to introduce myself to them and answer any questions that they have. See you at the next perfect time.